0: This morning, hopefully we'll be able to finish up John chapter 6. The passage that I'm going to deal with is uh, starting in verse 66 through the end of the chapter, verse 71. So after Jesus speaks about the necessity of eating his flesh and drinking his blood in order to have eternal life, so I really appreciate uh, John's meditation a moment ago on Lord's Supper because, you know, if he would have explained at that particular point what he was talking about, I don't think he probably would have left or very many of his um, disciples would have left uh, because when you just uh, hear about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, yeah, it probably would be disturbing to a lot of people. Uh, Probably most of us. Uh, So it wasn't a big surprise. But in hindsight, when we look back at it, we recognize, oh, that's what he was talking about. Because he explains it very well. He says, this is my flesh. This is my blood. Uh, But uh, they didn't have that uh, advantage back then. So uh, let's pick up in verse 66. As a result of this, his teaching about his blood and his uh, body... Many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So in this passage here, we've got really a key moment in Jesus' ministry where many of his followers turn away, either unwilling or unable to accept the very challenging teachings that he is putting in front of them. So this event here not only highlights the nature of true discipleship, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but also sets the stage for a deeper understanding of what it means to have a commitment to Christ. So during Jesus' ministry, we'll see a lot of the casual followers abandon him, which prompted the in this particular case, the true uh, devoted ones to consider their loyalty to Jesus as well because he turns and asks them, are you going to leave as well? So this pattern is not unique in Jesus' time. Even today, people will either steadfastly follow Christ or choose to leave him. So... What are, what are really some of the reasons why people would abandon Christ, particularly among what I'll say professed Christians or even true Christians? Because everybody is um, open or prone to the, same, um, to the same things, the same draws maybe that are in the world. See, some people are fickle. And they're easily swayed one way or another. They're initially drawn to Christ, but eventually they revert to their previous non-religious lifestyles. Their commitment is shallow, easily influenced by the temporary excitement or personal persuasion that the world holds. That's where their deeper affections are, back in the world. They're, you know they're drawn to Christianity for various reasons and we won't go into all of them because they're they're obviously very uh, uh, immense there's uh, quite a number of them and each one are different for uh, for each one person but eventually you know the, the world has that draw and brings them back Now others they find Christ's divine authority and moral demands a little bit too challenging and so they prefer, Humanly relatable standards that are maybe have a little bit less of a demanding ethical um, connotation to them. Maybe uh, not liking all of the seemingly rules and regulations that go along with Christianity. And then some just don't like the idea of change. You know, they're they're you know they're in that uh, they're in that rut of a lifestyle, and to get out of that rut requires um, effort. And they're not willing to put that effort in. So let's face it: the spiritual nature of really Christ's teaching it can be intimidating. You know, let's, we can be honest with that. See, many find that these teachings are, are really too complex, too demanding. Maybe choosing instead for the for the simpler, less demanding um, religious lifestyles, where you where you, go to, uh, where you go to church on Sunday morning and you sit in the pew, you listen to a nice lesson, uh, you put your money in the basket and go home, you feel good. That is a draw to a lot of people because it's simple. It doesn't require uh, any effort on your part. You don't have to change anything about your lifestyle. So really a common trait among those that would abandon Christ is really a lack of genuine, deep understanding of who Christ really is. So if they really truly grasp the eternal life that he offers, there would be no way that they would ever even consider leaving him if they truly understood everything that Christ offers So what are some of the reasons why a Christian should remain faithful to Christ? Let's look at the the positive side of that. Well, first off, there's really no practical alternatives to it. Uh, You know, other attractions might seem appealing, but ultimately they're empty. And then during Jesus' time, there was really no satisfying alternatives, whether it be the Pharisees, the Sadducees, even the Essenes. Uh, that, uh, that roamed the, uh, the wilderness. But the same holds true today as well. To leave him is to really to turn away from moral perfection and God's grace. Let's just say that there was a human being, not Christ, okay a human being that you knew that was morally perfect if that was possible they're morally perfect and they desperately desperately wanted to be your friend and that they could grant you eternal life would you ever consider leaving that person as a friend this you know there there are lots of people in the world that we Having encountered through our life that at one time or another we might have considered them friends, but for one reason or another, uh, our, you know, our lifestyles diverged for whatever reasons. Job change, you move, they move. Um, you just lose contact. But if you really knew of someone like that, would you ever consider losing contact with them? Hey, did you ever talk to Billy? Uh, little Billy was the guy in the boot camp. We have little Billy. He was always, it wasn't, it wasn't Johnny at the time, it was little Billy. He was always, yes, I thought so. <laughs> but we would never lose contact with that person. So Christ, because we can't see him, touch him, feel him, uh, we, sometimes it's easy for us to uh, not recognize that he's a real person. He still exists, uh, and he still wants to be our friend, close friend see Christ offers the gift that no one else on earth could ever offer and that is eternal life you know when you look at the uh, the lifestyles of the rich and famous uh, all of the the toys uh, all of the houses uh, the uh, just their general lifestyle it looks glamorous uh, but when you recognize that they have their reward now, uh, that that is not going to be able to go with them, uh, you know, would you ever trade what what a Christian has for what they have? You know, it's not even a question uh, that you recognize this life is is fleeting. It's not going to be forever. It's going to go away pretty quick. Uh, quicker for some of us than, uh, than maybe the, the ones that are just starting out. But uh, you would never even consider changing or uh, you know, trading that. So Christ himself pleads for our loyalty, our friendship, our, you know, our, our faithfulness to him. So his question to us, will you also go away? It's an appeal for us to stay for our own benefit and out of love for him. But it is possible to follow Jesus for a while and then leave. We, we see it in the scriptures, but we've also experienced it in real life as well. These followers choose to leave Jesus, and it's not the other way around. He never chooses to leave us. It's always we choose to leave him. They had been with him, the, the apostle or the uh, his followers back in this particular passage here, they'd been with him, they witnessed his miracles, they benefited from his kindness, yet they chose to abandon him just because he said something that was a little bit um, obscure that they didn't understand. As far as fair weather followers, if you want to call them that, see many will follow Christ during easy times but abandon him when the times get a little difficult or there is an offense. We call it sometimes it might be peer pressure or family ties. In Luke 12 verse 49 and following Jesus says uh, for from now on five members in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. So there will be uh, there will be family issues that will try to drag you back into the world. So Jesus' question, will you also leave? It shows his respect for free will. He always respects individual choice, never forcing anyone to follow him. So this personal decision-making, it emphasizes really the, the The personal nature of faith and the importance of individual decisions uh, in spiritual matters. There's no strong-arming someone into Christianity, into following Christ. See, Christ's kingdom here is based on voluntary service, willing obedience. No such thing as military draft here. There's no constriction that's used unwilling followers, they'll eventually part ways. So Jesus' question shows his care and concern, warning even his closest uh, disciples of potential spiritual dangers that are lurking around all the time. So what was the response by the disciples, led by Simon Peter? See, Simon recognized and understood it Eternal life was the most important thing. And Jesus was the only one who could provide it. So one of the lessons that we get from this is that the kingdom is not too concerned about quantity. It's concerned about quality. We don't want to judge success or failure based on the number uh, of seats that are filled in the pews. But it's sincerity and depth of commitment that is more crucial to the kingdom than just pure numbers. So the challenge of true discipleship in this particular passage, it's the difficulty of Jesus' teaching here is stressed. That's that's really the underlying thing that that is pulling or drawing or pushing, I don't want to say pushing, leading some of them astray. That Jesus spoke about something that was difficult to understand so instead of trying to find out why or what was he talking about you don't see anyone here in this particular narrative that said would you explain that just a little bit more to me uh until i understand it uh you know he goes over it a little bit but he doesn't really he doesn't clarify it like brother john did a little while ago uh and and say what the what the blood and what the flesh of his body really was but just because they didn't understand, the apostles weren't willing to stray from him. Uh, they were willing to stick around, and they said, Okay, I don't know what he's talking about, but I will. Uh, we'll, we'll figure this out soon enough. He'll explain it to if it's If it's really important, and it was, because he says that unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you have no eternal life. They knew that was important. So they were going to stick around and find out what the answer was. So, but it requires you know true true discipleship requires an intense personal commitment that withstands the hard teachings of Christ. If you don't understand something that he says, are you going to close the book, throw it down on the table, and walk away because you don't understand it? No, obviously you're not because you're still here. Because we've all experienced situations where we've read through and we don't understand what it meant, but that doesn't mean that you're going to give up on it. Well, that's what the apostles, they weren't willing to give up on it just because they didn't understand what he said. In Luke 9.23, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. It requires that, that personal commitment. Uh, that, and So what Jesus outlines there is the cost of discipleship. It's not going to be easy. He's emphasizing the need for self-denial and daily commitment. And then in Matthew 7:21, very familiar passage to us, where in the, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, "Not everyone, not everyone, who says to me, Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in, um, who is in heaven will enter." So this passage really highlights the idea that not everyone who outwardly professes to follow Christ really truly knows Him, just because they outwardly profess Him. It brings out the importance of genuine, obedient relationship with Christ. So what's this substance of the spiritual understanding here? So Peter's confession, when he says, Lord, to whom shall we go?, you have the words of eternal life. What Peter is saying there is he is hes reflecting a spiritual understanding and commitment. He didn't fully understand what Jesus was talking about, but he knew that it was spiritual. Jesus obviously, you know, in his parables in Matthew 13... A lot of those parables they did not understand at the time either. They took him aside later. Would you explain to us the parable of the sower? Would you explain to us a, the parable of the tares uh, that Dan was talking about? Uh, and he would explain them to him, uh, to them. So there were lots of things that Jesus said that they didn't understand at the at that particular time. So Peter here is con, is recognizing that. You've got the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? The only answers that he, that they were going to get were from Him. They weren't going to get them. Uh, you know, they were not going to get them from the Pharisees or the Sadducees or anyone else. It acknowledges that really, for us, despite the challenges and the lack of earthly rewards, following Jesus is really the only path to true life. There is no other. There is no. Well, okay, let's face it. Everyone is going to have an eternity. But eternal life versus eternal death, everyone has an eternity. So all of us have an eternity. uh, But it's eternal life that uh, Peter uh, says that only is through Christ, eternal life. Matthew 16, verses 16 and 17, another familiar passage. This is where Peter answered when Jesus asked them, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And he responds, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. See, uh, Christ is recognizing that Peter did not, didn't finally understand he was by somebody explaining it to him it was only going to be um, spiritually he was going to understand that and then Paul in his letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2 14 he says but a natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are foolish to Foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. By the way, that word "natural" versus "fleshly" those are two separate words, two different words. Okay, "natural" the word "natural" it speaks of intellectual knowledge. It's it's a different word than used for carnal and fleshly. So what Paul is saying there that you didn't understand uh, uh, or someone. With just an intellectual uh, background, is not going to understand the words in the scripture, the words that that Paul was speaking to him. They've got to be spiritually, appraised. You've got to look at them spiritually. So this verse discusses the, you know, the, uh, what Paul is saying here to the Corinthians is it requires spiritual discernment to understand the depth of God's teaching. Anyone can understand the words, okay. But understanding the concepts and putting them into practice and being able to do those, that's what Paul is talking about. A natural man cannot do that okay? So then back to John chapter 6 again. So th- this reality here of the betrayal and Jesus's foreknowledge of Judas's action. See Judas is aware of the future betrayal um, of uh, Jesus is aware of G- Judas's future betrayal, and he, but he acknowledges there that uh, he chose him even though he knew that he was a devil. It illustrates really the the coexistence, uh, in, and this is this is a uh, a concept that that sometimes is difficult for people to to grasp the coexistence between both divine dominion, God's power and human will okay that they do coexist together you know that we we've got to be able to recognize that both of those exist it's not just one or the other both of them exist so it shows here that jesus's ministry and his establishment of the church in in acts chapter one they're not going to be hindered by by human betrayal but are in really in, in fact be a, it's it's vital to the, to the accomplishment of it. See, if, if Judas hadn't betrayed Jesus, he would not have, um, there would have been another way figured out, but, uh, but it, was, it was necessary for God's plan to be fully um, accomplished. Back in Psalm 41, verse 9, uh, King David, when he, when he wrote it, he says, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. That's an Old Testament verse, obviously. It dis, it, it's the one that Jesus quotes in references to Judas's betrayal. And it shows that Christ had the foreknowledge of what was going to happen. At the very beginning of the church, as I mentioned a little while ago in Acts chapter one, when uh, after Christ ascended back to heaven, uh, Peter stands up in in uh, verses sixteen and seventeen he says, "Brother, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning judas so peter is is explaining David was foretelling what judas was going to do and it's through david's own words and it says who became a guide to those who arrested jesus for he was counted among us and received his share of the ministry so um, what peter's talking about there is jesus was fully aware of judas's betrayal Uh, it was known and it was required to fulfill the scripture Uh, again it was highlighting God's sovereignty but also at the same time Judas's free will. Judas didn't have to, he was not forced to betray Jesus. And then what was said about Jesus or Judas it would have been better if that man had never been born. Highlighting that Judas had free will. I hope I didn't switch Judas and Jesus in there too much. And get it turned around. But you know what I meant, hopefully. (laughs) Now, the difference here between superficial faith and genuine faith. Kind of get back to what we were talking about. So, this departure of many disciples really a contrast with the devotion of just the few. Now, we don't know how many besides the apostles, but it's Specifically, Jesus is talking about his apostles. There might have been others. Well, we know that the women stuck around as well that were in that in that small group. But it shows the difference between superficial faith that falters under pressure, and then the genuine faith that clings to Christ, the source of eternal life. Back in Matthew 13, verses 20 and 21 the one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy yet he has no firm root in himself but is only temporary and when affliction and persecution arises because of the word immediately falls away so this is the one that has the superficial faith that you know the parable of the sower it, it explains how some people, that they would receive the word initially with joy, but fall away when trouble becomes uh, you know, in, into their path, and they, they just can't quite swallow the difficulties with Christianity. James 1.12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. See, God blesses the person who perseveres under trial, and he promises them the crown of life, those who genuinely love the Lord. So this passage here in John 6, not only it it, it presents a crisis, if you will, in Jesus' ministry, but it also serves as a great lesson on the nature of true discipleship. It should be an encouragement. Uh, So, you know, the the depth of spiritual understanding that was required here in in this passage and the, the reality of betrayal and the obvious contrast between superficial and genuine faith. All three of those things are, you know, kind of, you know, packed into this one little passage here. It does require spiritual understanding on our part. But if we stick to it, it will be revealed to us. But it's also possible uh, for betrayal, and then uh, the difference between superficial faith and genuine faith—all brought out in that in that short little passage there. So these themes they're they're repeated throughout the scriptures in in bits and pieces. It it continues to challenge and inspire Christians to a deeper and more commitment. Uh, our walk with christ so this passage here it can be a very emotional thing when you when you put yourself in the in the audience that's listening to this it can be a a pretty tough thing because you've no doubt got people that when jesus you know tries to explain the, the flesh and the blood thing that uh, immediately, you know that there's going to be grumbling in the, uh, you know, a lot of the heads turning. What did he say? Did, he, did I really hear that right? Uh, and it's like, then he repeats it and he's, yep, I heard it right. Uh, so if you put yourself in that crowd, it can be a pretty emotional thing. Because don't forget what happened just before this. He's feeding the 5,000, gets in a boat, comes across the, the, the sea, and then. Uh, proclaims, uh, you know, starts to uh, explain about the blood and the flesh, and the, the the thousands that were around him all of a sudden just vanish, and you've got a few that are still there. That would be a pretty uh, that's that would be an emotional situation. So many disciples turn away; they're disheartened. By the depth and complexity of what Jesus' is teaching is all about, so we're reminding we're reminded even today of the never-ending challenges that face us. That true discipleship, it really does require work on our part. It it is not it cannot be superficial. It can't be uh, you know a, a, a light glossing over. So this passage here is not just a historical event. It is a mirror. It's a mirror that reflects the struggles and the triumphs of faith that Christians encounter even today. No different than what they were back then. So the exodus of many followers after being confronted with the hard sayings of Christ here underscores a fundamental truth about the Christian expedition that we're all on. It's not an easy one, but it's one of depth and commitment and sometimes challenges on our part. But it's also a powerful statement that in spite of the difficulties, the trials, Jesus alone, he's the only one that has the words of eternal life. So this narrative here invites us as modern-day Christians to contemplate and reaffirm, if you will, our commitment to Jesus. So this path to discipleship, it's marked by challenges. We've all got them. Moments of uncertainty. Yeah, they're there. But it also is a journey illuminated by the promise of eternal life in the presence of Jesus Christ in heaven. That's that's a great promise. I mean, what More could you ask than eternal life in heaven with Jesus so let this passage be a reminder that in the moments of doubt and confusion our response should mirror that of Peter's a response that acknowledges the ultimate worth and the authority of Christ in our lives as Christians we're not called to a blind faith But a faith that seeks understanding, that involves the truths that are in God's word, and finds in Jesus the words of life. You know, in a world where beliefs are constantly changing, not in in the Bible, but in the world where loyalties are often fleeting, let the words of Peter's confession inspire us to hold firmly to our faith. Let's be encouraged by the fact that Jesus is what he acknowledges here and honors the sincerity and commitment to him. Even when many turn away, our continued devotion to Christ is a powerful testament of his love and transforming power in us. So let's move forward with. The energy grounded in the truth that Jesus is the true bread of life, the source of our strength, and the foundation of our hope. Because in him, we find not just answers to our worldly questions, but also the promise of eternal life, a promise that sustains, empowers, and uplifts us in every part of our journey. Let's stand and we'll be dismissed with prayer.